Welcome back to Lightshed Research, a podcast that puts our research notes in your ears for your listening convenience. November 19th, 2020. Why Warner Media and NBC Universal should merge, even if they are not ready yet. We have always questioned the logic of vertical integration of content and distribution in media. History has supported our skepticism. AOL Time Warner created a lot of investment banking fees, but destroyed shareholder value. Time Warner was not helped by owning Time Warner Cable, nor did News Corp benefit from its ownership of DirecTV. There are two such vertically integrated media companies still standing, NBC Universal, which is part of Comcast, and Warner Media, which is part of AT&T. Comcast was able to buy NBC Universal at an amazing price and benefit from running and investing in the businesses far better than GE did, creating substantial value for Comcast investors along the way. However, those gains were realized years ago, and it is hard to invent strategic rationale for their continued existence under the same roof. With all due respect to Peacock, even if it is too early to judge AT&T's acquisition of Time Warner and their hopes for HBO Max, we have viewed the transaction as far more about diversification than vertically integrated value creation from day one. See Lightshed's Walt Pysik's original thoughts on the deal back when it was announced in 2016. The 42nd clip embedded below says it all from former Time Warner CEO Jeff Bukas, who sold Time Warner to AT&T. He explained the flawed logic of vertical integration of content and distribution in the media world via CNBC. It's not so much a question of whether a a piece of content or a content provider owns a distribution entity. Because frankly, there are and there should be and there always will be multiple competing content developers and providers. There will always be multiple competing distribution outlets. There should be. And that means by definition that you know, narrowing either the distribution for your content or narrowing the source of content for your distribution platform is a fairly suspect premise just to begin with. In today's media world, we believe focused scale is the only way to be both large enough and nimble enough to embrace technological change and carve a meaningful space in a tech platform dominated landscape. We believe it is time for both AT&T and Comcast to abandon the fool's gold of vertical integration of content and distribution and merge NBC Universal with Warner Media. Abandoning grandiose plans and empire building is a tough psychological hump to overcome. However, it would be a wildly accretive outcome for investors. It is easy to say that we can do this in two years, five years, etc. Yet we believe time is of the essence, as legacy media assets have entered secular decline and technology is rapidly changing consumer behavior. If you wait too long to build scale and go all in, it might end up being too late. Comcast says vertical integration matters. If you want to get investor buy-in these days, you need to show a virtuous circle. On Comcast's Q3 2020 earnings call, management tried to make the case for the power and value creation of vertical integration, depicting a virtuous circle where all the components of Comcast benefit each other, as shown on the slide embedded to the right. Comcast management stated, adding Peacock to broadband is resulting in significant improvement in both churn and gross ads, as Peacock is continuously cited as a differentiating factor at the point of sale for Xfinity broadband products, 
said Brian Roberts, CEO of Comcast. Peacock adds strategic value to NBC Universal and unlocks a latent connected TV advertising opportunity. And we do not doubt that giving away Peacock Premium, normally $5 per sub per month, to Comcast broadband subscribers is viewed positively by subs. However, we have a hard time believing it is a meaningful driver of why consumers choose Comcast broadband over a competitor. Charter does not have the X1 platform, nor Peacock, and yet they have been outperforming everyone in the broadband industry for the past several quarters. What has driven Charter's success has been deep focus on being a connectivity company first and layering on an improved customer experience, especially customer service. Charter has realized that cable operators' true competitive advantage is a fundamentally better broadband product than the competition, unless the telcos or overbuilders have laid fiber to the premise like Fios, regardless of direct integration with content and streaming services. While it is early days in Peacock's launch, we do not see its engagement coming close to Netflix, YouTube, and Prime Video, which collectively represent almost two-thirds of video time spent on connected TVs. Peacock is nice to have, especially if you love certain sports content, such as EPL, but it is not the service you are turning on nightly to stream hours of content. And as Comcast is currently constructed, will remain a subscale content offering. To the extent Peacock's traction is only driven by its distribution, meaning placement and discount to free on Comcast devices, it is probably not compelling enough of a service in the first place. That said, even if Peacock was much larger, we would still question its impact on Comcast broadband net ads and churn beyond what could be accomplished with a business development deal. There are simply far too many other uses for high-quality broadband in 2020 beyond premium video, especially given the way COVID has changed work and entertainment, from Zoom to Fortnite to Google Meet to Among Us, mitigating the consumer value proposition of bundling in one video app such as Peacock. AT&T says vertical integration matters. Similar to Comcast, AT&T talks about the power of HBO Max to reduce wireless churn at AT&T, as they highlighted in the slide embedded to the right at their October 2019 WarnerMedia Investor Day. At the event, management stated, HBO Max will have a positive impact, positive and immediate impact on the stickiness of our wireless and pay TV and broadband offerings. Heavy engagement across these products is directly correlated to lower churn. And we strongly believe that an hour a day of premium content viewing to a carefully crafted HBO Max offer will have a meaningful impact. We've already seen that when we offer HBO to our premium wireless subscribers, it reduces churn and drives penetration of our higher value unlimited plans. A reduction of one basis point of wireless churn is equal to $100 million in revenue. To this end, we'll make attractive offers in the most valuable tiers of all of our products. John Stanky at the AT&T Investor Day. We find it hard to believe that HBO, HBO Max, is meaningfully reducing churn at AT&T. But even if it is reducing churn, it appears they could have accomplished the same without owning WarnerMedia. T-Mobile, which bundles in Netflix on a third-party basis, has reported a greater number of postpaid phone net ads in the wireless industry than AT&T. We believe AT&T's recent success in wireless is a direct result of its decision two years ago to add more spectrum to its network. See Lightshed's Waltz Pi 6 piece. Investor hope was also that HBO Max would fulfill its ultimate potential as a global Netflix competitor with the resources of AT&T. Historically, HBO was focused on a certain type or brand of content, 
and maximizing near-term earnings versus trying to capture as much time spent per day, which is Netflix's focus. However, AT&T has yet to significantly up the ante in global content spend, and the branding and distribution has been confusing to consumers, and we're being kind. And more importantly, while AT&T has made best-in-class executive hires at Warner Media from the outside versus simply promoting from within as their industry peers have done, it remains unclear if the entire organization understands how fast legacy businesses need to be sunset to enable a rapid pivot to a streaming future. Can they really invest as aggressively as they need to compete and win at Warner Media and still support the parent company's dividend needs? Netflix does not need distribution. Why do NBCU and Warner Media? But isn't Netflix vertically integrated? Well, yes, Netflix creates content, which it supplies to its own platform. And Disney does the same as well as HBO. However, this is akin to supplying content to a channel. It is just a different medium. It is far different customer relationship than selling and running the last mile distribution to the consumer. Reminds us of the presentation we gave back in 2016 where we stated, content creators do not need pipes. They need platforms to reach consumers directly. Content creators must evolve into platforms before platforms evolve into content creators. Netflix has been able to reach 200 million worldwide subscribers and is distributed on virtually every IP-connected device that exists without vertical integration of content and distribution. As we highlighted in our T-Mobile discussion above, Netflix has been able to create mutually beneficial bundling with third-party broadband providers to enhance its distribution without vertically integrating with content. It is also quite clear that vertical integration of content and distribution does nothing to aid app deployment across connected TV streaming devices. HBO Max is not available on Roku devices, and Peacock is not offered on Amazon Fire devices. As a result, only 8.6 million or 30% of HBO subscribers who can access HBO Max have even used it yet, while Peacock is talking about 22 million signups rather than subscribers, which means they entered their email address to gain access to Peacock's free AVOD service. This is likely to change in the future as the content of each service becomes too compelling for tvOS platforms or the SVOD AVOD apps cave to the tvOS platform demands. Either way, vertical integration does not matter. Could vertical integration enable a platform opportunity? Vertical integration between content and distribution does not appear to meaningfully help broadband net ads nor create the dominant streaming platform. But could vertical integration enable a connected TV operating system play? We highlighted the power and valuation benefits that come with effectively being the gatekeeper to connected TVs in our John Malone Roku post earlier this week. Could Comcast's Flex X1 operating system transform into a Roku-like play with Roku's market cap now $30 billion plus? Highly unlikely. While we love the concept of Flex and believe it has been additive to Comcast, it's an inferior product to Roku, Amazon Fire, and what we now believe to be the best-in-class product, the new Chromecast with Google TV. The lack of an open app store is problematic, and you cannot switch to YouTube TV, Hulu Live, FUBU, etc. Sling is an option. While this could certainly change, app development for X1, Flex, is glacially slow and frustrating. And as Malone talked about in our aforementioned post, Flex not only lacks national scale, it lacks global scale, which also limits developer interest for the platform. Roku and Amazon Fire have sold tens of millions of devices, while Flex has exceeded 1 million. While you could layer on Comcast's nearly 20 million video subs, 
homes with X1 boxes to the 1 million flex subs. The X1 operating system and business rules are designed to protect Comcast's legacy MVPD business versus trying to replicate Roku. X1 cable homes have no choice but to take Comcast video service and whatever third-party apps Comcast makes available. Still, it feels too much like they want to be an MVPD first and foremost versus a pure platform for the streaming web. Recent media reports have said Comcast is now talking to Walmart about embedding its X1 software into Walmart house brand of TVs, but it feels underwhelming without a best-in-class open operating system for the television. Well, what about Peacock Free, or the coming ad-supported HBO Max, as a larger platform play for content from all content providers? We are highly skeptical that industry peers will be eager to supply content to AVOD fast platforms owned by their peers, meaning we doubt you will see lots of Viacom content on Peacock or Disney content on ad-supported HBO Max, with each major media company generally shifting more and more of their content exclusively to their own platforms. Scale is needed, not vertical integration. Vertical integration between content and distribution has not created value to date, and the added regulatory scrutiny that comes with it may even destroy value in the process and or lead to suboptimal decision-making, so-called dis-synergy. We still wonder if Comcast would have wound up with Time Warner Cable had NBC been a separate company, giving them true national scale to attack wireless. The restructuring palooza that has enveloped the media industry in recent weeks and months is a clear sign of how the consumer shift to streaming is wrecking havoc on legacy media businesses, with the COVID-19 pandemic accelerating underlying trends. Streaming video is not new. Netflix launched streaming in 2007 and simply took the media industry a decade to admit that streaming was indeed the future and then another few years to put their action plan into motion. Or maybe it was just a need for new leadership to finally admit what needed to be done. Unfortunately, they are all so far behind in building a streaming platform that competes with Netflix, who is closing in on 200 million subscribers globally that spend two to three hours per day watching Netflix. To make matters worse for legacy media, they're all attempting to lean into the future by investing in streaming while still protecting their highly profitable but secularly declining legacy businesses. Not to mention, they're all really U.S.-focused and are missing the massive global opportunity in front of them. We do see early signs of change, with NBC Universal pushing hard to shorten theatrical windows, as short as 17 days, to accelerate access to movies in the home, albeit PVOD versus SVOD, and Warner Media, after a troubling decision to release Tenant in theaters, having decided to release Wonder Woman 1984 day and date with its theatrical release. Albeit it still feels like more of a COVID one-off than a fundamental strategy shift. See Warner Media CEO Jason Kylar's memo. That said, at least both companies recognize the need to experiment and learn, especially when their distribution partners, the exhibitors, are effectively paralyzed by the pandemic. In our recent post, last chance media companies must self-cannibalize or merge to enable the full pivot, we stated, if we are unsure if Disney is big enough to pivot, then everyone else clearly does not have enough content, let alone financial scale, balance sheet depth, flexibility, to invest heavily for at least the next five years. In turn, large-scale, horizontal consolidation is clearly needed, not just to scale content, but to facilitate substantial cost savings that can be redeployed into investing far more aggressively in streaming content and technology. When we think about the scale needed to compete in a direct-to-consumer world, it goes well beyond the content heft 
that a combined Warner Media and NBC Universal Sky would create. Think of the scale of engineering resources, the marketing heft of the combined entity, infusing theme parks into Warner Brothers and video games into NBC Universal. Not to mention, at this enlarged scale, the combined company is in a far better position, scale balances leverage, to negotiate with TVOS pl- platforms, MVPDs, VMVPDs, and even talent. And it goes beyond horizontal scale, with focus equally important. Look no further than Netflix, Spotify, Roku, Charter, etc. Each is effectively a pure play, outperforming diversified competitors. For whatever reason, history has shown time and time again that the more complex diversified a company is in the media space, the harder it is to pivot to the future. NBC Universal and Warner Media should merge. Your first reaction is probably lay off the crazy pills. But step back for a minute and think about how complementary the two assets are and how the combination would likely create at least $2 billion of synergies through cost savings and cost cutting alone, enabling an even more aggressive pivot towards streaming, and probably more than $3 billion of cost savings and synergies. For this transaction to occur, it would require both sides to admit that vertical integration does not create meaningful value and that they both need far greater horizontal scale to go all in and pivot to streaming. To be fair, we doubt either management team is ready to concede this point, at least as of today. However, we believe investors would be ecstatic over a combination. Imagine if Comcast was willing to become a pure play broadband company like Charter, with higher leverage to drive equity returns. Its stock price would soar. AT&T, which is already planning to exit DirecTV, could further undo the Randall Stevenson era and refocus the company on its broadband services. Think of it another way. Wired and wireless broadband are solid, sustainable businesses with strong free cash flow dynamics. On the flip side, the media business is in complete disarray with an uncertain future and even assets that looked amazing coming into 2021, such as theme parks and studio production, have very little visibility. While both companies' knee-jerk reaction would be to wait until a post-COVID recovery occurs, who knows when that will be and the underlying fundamentals in the meantime continue to erode. Look at sports viewership. It's not clear it will ever bounce back, as Lightshed's Brandon Ross wrote about recently. To be clear, you don't merge these companies for cost savings or synergies alone. That said, those synergies would enable far greater investment in streaming content and technology. You merge the two companies because it creates massive content scale with a far larger array of franchises and brands to market and build a direct-to-consumer streaming service, with consumer products and theme parks providing additional ways to monetize streaming content IP. Sounds a lot like Disney, but with broader content. Assuming AT- regulatory approval. Assuming AT&T and Comcast were willing to give up control and fully spin off Warner Media and NBC Universal Sky, with the Roberts family ceding their fixed voting power on the NBCU Sky assets, we believe this merger could be approved by regulators. The combined company would be a similar scale to Disney following its Fox acquisition, and removing vertical integration should be viewed positively by the DOJ. The transaction should be pro-consumer as it creates a more robust competitor to Disney, Netflix, etc. Furthermore, we're assuming NBC and Telemundo, owned and operated local TV stations, would be divested, sold, or spun off, thereby eliminating the need for FCC approval. Remember, the AT&T Time Warner transaction was facilitated by not needing FCC approval. While owned and operated TV station groups are not historically sold or spun, transforming them into affiliates, the combination of English and Spanish language stations would make this a very unique asset to separate out for private equity buyers who want to harvest free cash flow. Structure. 
We're assuming a double reverse Morris Trust where the assets are completely spun off from their respective parent companies and they're owned 50-50 in the new entity with cash and debt used to balance out the value of each side to get to parity, which is necessary to drive the tax-free nature of this transaction. Note, we're only assuming that the NBC and Telemundo local TV stations are divested. However, we could make a strong argument for spinning off general entertainment, non-news cable networks as well. Cable networks are unnecessary management distraction that competes for content resources versus focusing the combined company on streaming. That said, entertainment-based cable networks, excluding HBO and CNN, likely comprise over $9 billion of the combined company's $20 billion of 2020 EBITDA, and that is before meaningful cost savings from the combination. Therefore, the new entity might need to milk the free cash flow from cable nets to fuel aggressive investment in streaming content and technology. The important point is that if the entertainment cable network assets are kept, they need to be starved of content and become the secondary outlet for content, with streaming the first window for all content. We could also argue for keeping Sky within Comcast as both are distribution platforms. However, so much of Sky is tied to its programming and content portfolio, and it is not a connectivity broadband business like Comcast. For now, it probably makes sense to include it in the combined WarnerMedia NBC Universal Spinco, but that could change over time. NBC Universal WarnerMedia 80 plus billion revenue behemoth, an abbreviated revenue and EBITDA financial models embedded at the bottom of this post. We have two pie charts showing 2022 revenues of 83 billion. 40% Warner Media, 24% Sky, and 36% NBC Universal, and 2022 EBITDA of around 20 billion with synergies, 50% Warner Media, 26% NBC Universal, 14% Sky, and about 10% from synergies. Film, based on 2019 global box office market share, pre-pandemic, combining Warner Brothers and Universal Studios would yield nearly 30% film market share compared to Disney Fox is 50%, which includes Fox. While not at Disney's level of franchises, the combination of franchises from DC Comics to Harry Potter to Fast and Furious to Jurassic Park meaningfully distances the combined company from everyone beyond Disney. TV production. Combining industry leader Warner Brothers and its vast catalog with Universal's TV division would create a far superior TV catalog than what Disney has even with the Fox catalog. Shifting combined content creation resources to focus production for their own streaming platform would be a formidable competitor. SVOD. The merger would combine Peacock and HBO, HBO Max into one scaled offering with Universal and Warner Brothers movies already licensed to HBO through 2022 film releases. In addition, HBO does not really exist in the UK, where it's a sub-brand inside Sky Atlantic. This combination would allow the combined company to rethink how to build a global SVOD platform that it fully owns and controls. Theme Parks unites the owner of DC Comics and Harry Potter IP with Universal's theme parks, rather than the licensing agreements currently in place, with an enlarged film and television studio library to leverage into theme park attractions. Video Games The only legacy media company that owns its own successful video game publisher in WB Games. Hopefully, this would become a key area for investment, organic and via acquisition, to build additional video game scale post-merger. Linear Entertainment Networks combines the NBC and Telemundo broadcast networks with a large group of secularly declining basic cable networks from TNT and TBS to USA and Bravo, enabling management to cull the combined network portfolio. The cost savings from this combination would be used to fuel streaming investment. 
news networks, combining NBC News with CNN. There's been talk for a decade of combining CNN with another news platform to reduce overhead costs. Important to note that CNN is really the only cable network business that has succeeded in digital mobile, while NBC News has been aggressive in licensing content to mobile platforms such as Snapchat. Combined management team. NBC Universal CEO Jeff Shell and Warner Media CEO Jason Kylar. While we are while we are sure both executives would want to run the combined company themselves, we suspect shared power would be the ideal for shareholders as they each bring very different skill sets and backgrounds in media and technology. Both executives recognize the need for disrupting the status quo and do not appear afraid to quote unquote break glass as we've seen with theatrical windows in recent weeks. In many ways, the leadership duo would be a dream team executive-wise. The hardest part of this transaction is ultimately the level of cost-cutting and consolidation it would create to reposition the combined entity to go all-in on streaming. We suspect the end result would be the reduction of over 15,000 jobs globally, given the substantial overlap between the two companies highlighted above, including film and TV production, entertainment cable networks, and news networks, albeit a dramatic increase in streaming content and technology would likely drive the addition of thousands of new employees. Okay, but will it actually happen? We doubt it. Both AT&T and Comcast feel far too focused on their current strategies to deal with a massively disruptive and transformative merger of equals that creates a new separate entity, not to mention a sizable divestiture of local TV stations. That said, it would be a huge win for investors on both sides and could create one of the only companies positioned to not just survive long-term in media, but to flourish as the entire media business shifts rapidly to streaming.